give us a little preview for the upcoming basketball season, the upcoming fast-approaching basketball season, and the reopening of the beautiful Fifth Third Arena. So uh, we've got a lot to get to. The reason that we're keeping this football short is because we hope to see you all on Saturday at Taft's Brewporium, where me, myself, Dave, and Tony Pike will be doing a live broadcast, a live podcast, and uh, we'll be talking the first half of the season, um, dishing out some awards, doing all kinds of fun stuff uh, to recap the first half of the season, the 6-0 and start, take a look at the second half and the AAC race as things start to shape up. That will be at Taft's Brewporium. Just like their beefy namesake, Taft's Brewing Company is a massive state-of-the-art brewing facility with tasty food and fresh poured beer. Stop by one of their two locations, Taft's Ale House, an 1850s church-turned-multi-level brewery and full-service restaurant located in the heart of Over the Rhine. Or maybe you're looking for a more upbeat environment. In that case, head to Taft's Brewporium. That features New Haven-style pizza and a relaxed atmosphere tap room with over 15 brews to try, plus plenty of bar games and TVs. Visit taftsbeer.com for info on hours and more. Dave, are you excited to celebrate our birthday at Taft's Brewporium with Tony Pike? Very, very excited. I could think of no one else I would rather celebrate my birthday with than legendary Bearcats quarterback Tony Pike. Did you know he threw four interceptions in the Orange Bowl? I did. I was there. I had good <laughs> seats. I saw all of them. I had terrible seats. The press seats at the Orange Bowl were awful. Really bad. Like in Sometimes the, it pays to just be a, be a common fan, Chad. It's a, that time it did because those were not good. That was not a good press box in Miami. Um, but I'm excited for that. I think it should be a really good time. Um, looking forward to it very much so. And six and zero is pretty fun to talk about. I think that's yeah. We got we got a lot of stuff to to discuss. I think maybe uh, a few things we probably didn't think we would be uh, discussing in mid October when uh, when we were talking about the season two months ago. Yeah, just little things like you know trying to win a conference. Yeah. Trying to uh, not just make a bowl game, but but make a good bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what not sure how many of those the AAC has, but well, I mean, but not a bad bowl game, I guess is the <laughs> <laughs> I guess is the the differentiator there. Um, no, I mean it's uh, we've hammered it to death. It, it's been unexpected, but. It's been fun to watch and and really fun to see this team kind of growing up and coming into their own and um, fighting through some adversity. It's not – I feel like, and maybe I'm crazy, and and I'll let you give your opinion here. It's very nice of me. Um, I feel like this team isn't really even come close to reaching its, like, the best version of itself yet. Um. I, I can kind of agree with that. I think I think the defense Yeah, it's it's hard to be is probably yeah. <laughs> is probably about as good as we could have 
realistically expected. Um, you know, I think part of I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think part of that is they've played some pretty putrid offenses. And they've also been helped by their defense or their offense, UC's offense, playing some pretty terrible defenses. So it's allowed UC to get the lead. It's allowed teams to have to kind of change their game plan and maybe do some stuff that they wouldn't have done in a close game. So um, I'll save some more information along those lines for Saturday, but but uh, yeah, it's um, any way you slice it, six and zero is six and zero, and it's you know even to the most diehard, dyed in the wool, red glasses wearing Bearcat fan, I don't think you could have seen anything close to this coming. No, um, like I said, we'll we'll talk plenty about this uh, on Saturday at Taft's Brewporium, um, the Tulane game specifically. Um, I mean, it went about as expected, I think. I, I think that Memphis game messed with our heads. But at the end of the day, Tulane was who we thought they were. Um, a team that's, I agree. A team that's um, okay. But a team that, if Cincinnati was playing relatively well, should have been able to beat, and that's what happened. Yes, and... Just think, looking back on the game, rewatching it, going through the numbers. Here, here's some numbers, and you tell me what you would have thought the result of this last year would have been. UC's offense went six for sixteen on third down, and it was probably two for ten until halfway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter when they started doing a little bit better. They missed an extra point. They gave up a seventy-five yard kickoff return and a fifty-yard kickoff return. They had three turnovers, seven penalties. Their leading running back outside of his 81-yard touchdown run had 17 carries for 43 yards, 2.47 yards a carry. Their quarterback started three for nine, didn't throw for 200 yards. What's the score of that game last year? 44 to 21, Tulane. And UC scored 37 points and could have scored 45, could have yeah. scored 50. I mean, they, the muffed punt was on the, their own 45-yard line. Michael Warren's fumble on the screen, on the little flip pass, was a 16-yard gain down to two lanes, 25. Dez's interception, where the tackle left tackle Dino Boyd got beat and his arm got hit, was inside two lanes, 35-yard line. So, I mean, the errors were the errors, but, like, they scored 37 points, and I don't think they played very well offensively. Yeah, I don't really think they did either. Um, you know, I think Tulane did something interesting that I think we're going to see the better defenses do. They put a very large nose tackle right in Jakari Robinson's face mm-hmm. and ran more of a bear, bear defense instead of a true 4-3. And they had trouble running it up the middle. And I think that's going to continue unless they get a little more creative with how they use Michael Warren. Because I just don't think they can keep trying to 
power run him between the guards because teams are going to watch that film. They're going to put a guy head up on Jakari. They're going to slant their two ends in on first down on your typical Mike Warren up the middle rush downs, and they're going to dare Dez to keep it, and he hasn't kept it as much as you probably would mean. There's been designed runs where he just takes it around the end, but the actual, like, option runs where he hands the ball off or keeps it, he really hardly ever keeps it. Yeah. I think that's a lot of uh, faith in Mike Warren uh, as well. Well, But, yeah. But, I mean, Mike had to make some pretty nifty moves just to get loose on that long touchdown run. Right. On some guys that missed some pretty, you know, if we're being honest, some pretty easy tackles. Yeah. So that very well could have been a five-yard run instead of an 81-yard run. And we're talking about a guy with 18 carries for 50 yards. And and who knows how that changes the game. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think this is <clears throat> something we probably should have expected with the injury to Garrett Campbell. I mean, that that he was the strength of that offensive line, his ability to, to make things happen at the point of attack and without him in there and you're, and you're bringing in a red shirt freshman that was getting the first start of his career, teams are going to adjust. That tape is going to spread. And like you said, other teams are going to say, this is probably what we need to do to stop that. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, there, there's going to have to be from Mike Denbrock, from Doug Phillips, from Gino Gadouli, there's going to have to be some adjustment on the fly and may you know that that's maybe where this bye week comes at a pretty good time. Uh, some adjustment on the fly as to how exactly the running game you know evolves without Garrett Campbell right there at the point of attack. Um, defensively, it's just it's hard to fathom how good they are defensively. We thought they would be better. I don't think we felt that they were going to be in the top ten to fifteen of every statistical category defensively basically across the board right and you know i've i've just been trying to temper that with with the teams that they've been playing and and i I guess i just kind of come back to even if these offenses are terrible which most of them have been there's a big difference between being first in pass efficiency defense in the nation and 45th, which would still be respectable and would probably be more realistic based on playing some better offenses, but, but they have been, I mean, they've, they've, they've made plays when they've needed to, I think, you know, they, and they've gotten lucky. We have to admit it. They've gotten lucky on several occasions, but that's part of sports in life. Like, you know, Tulane drops four very, very easy passes on third and long that would have either been first downs or big gains if a guy made someone miss. Um, but that, but that's part of it. Like Tulane's quarterbacks are gutter trash. And <laughs> did Banks but, get hurt? Know, did, I, what, did he get hurt, or did they just bench him? They, they. So, so I didn't know he was. They were doing this whole two quarterback thing. Apparently. He got a little banged up maybe against Memphis, but they were running it so well that it didn't matter. And then rewatching the game, they the announcers obviously knew from talking to the two lane coaches 
it was going to kind of be two series, two series, and we'll see who goes from there. But the bank started one for five for two yards in yeah. his two series. And then Justin McMillan came in, and while he was a little better, he went a good, I want to say, 10 or 12 passes in a row without a completion. I think he finished something like 12 for 26 or 11 for 26, something just, you know, awful. Um, their their whole kind of calling of the game was a little odd to me. I mean, you have two pretty darn good running backs, and they really didn't feature them at all. I mean, the first play of the game was like a 14-yard run, and they just then went straight to the pass. Um, they had the other running back, Corey Dufine. I think he had like a 20-something-yard run on the same type of you know, read option where the holes were pretty big and they really didn't give them the ball that much. It was just kind of a, a strange thing because the game wasn't out of hand. I just didn't, I didn't take them to be uh, throwing the ball 30, 32, 33 times, whatever it was that they did. Right. I mean, they ran it pretty well. All things considered. Hey, yeah, but, I mean, they didn't even get – I mean, they didn't even have 200 yards of offense until midway through the fourth quarter. Right. So, in a game that the least they were down at that point was that after the blocked punt, they were down 31-14. Yeah. So, you're down 10, you're down 7 or 10 most of the first half. I don't know. It was just – it was a little – confusing to me and you know considering how well they ran it against Memphis I was a little surprised I mean I I guess Memphis's defense just maybe isn't that good or had a had a bad game or two late and you know I think you have and that's what I'm waiting to see with this UC team a little bit is are we kind of playing over our skis a bit because of who we're playing or is the regression to the mean still going to be 27 to 34 points and gives them a chance to, to still win games against Temple, USF, and UCF. Yeah, I still don't feel great about UCF. Kenzie Milton's really good. Oh, no. I mean, there's no reason to feel great about UCF. They haven't lost a game since November of 2016. So. <laughs> um, um, anything else on the Tulane game? I mean, I th- not not in, not specifically to that. I think the bye week is coming at a good time because I think they do. They've got a couple of nagging injuries, you could tell. But then it's also, I think, a good time to kind of self scout more than anything. I mean, you'll get the week to watch the Navy game against Temple, but from a Temple defensive standpoint, that's probably not going to help them much. Yeah, because it's they're Navy. not going to prepare for Navy the same way they're going to prepare for UC. Right. Um. But I think the team. I think it's it's a good time for self scouting because the offense has been good, but there's going to have to be some wrinkles developed over the next two months and against the be- clearly better teams they're playing in the last six than they did the first six in order to kind of correct some of the things that maybe have popped up the last couple games. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, one that stood out to me, like, they tried to get that backdoor little flare screen to DeGuara a couple times against Tulane, 
and Tulane had somebody on it every time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the things like that, you know, when you get halfway through a season, you've put your bread and butter stuff on tape so much that now teams are, are you know, th- that play tricked a lot of people the first couple times they really started, the first couple games they really started using it. But now you're going to have to come up with a wrinkle to that. You know, maybe you're dragging somebody, you know, a, a slot receiver or a tight end from the other side of the field, um, whatever it may be, against – Tulane, it turned out to be that Dez just gave DeGuara kind of a hand signal, and DeGuara turned and blocked, and Dez was able to get downfield mm-hmm. with his legs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of thing. You know, teams have, have picked up on what you want to do, what you, you've been doing well, uh, and they're going to do what they can to stop it. But, all right, man, I think that, uh, that, that, that closes the book on our football discussion for today. If you want more, come see us at Tafts. We'll start recording at 5. Uh, we'll be, uh, if you were there last time, we'll be kind of in that, that same area uh, on the, the left side uh, that we were for the watch party. Um, so just head over to that, to that side. We'll be kind of uh, towards the back um, by some of the video games. Uh, and that's where we'll be doing the live podcast. And then hanging around for a while and uh, enjoying a few adult beverages, maybe a pizza, some garlic knots with beer cheese, I know will definitely be on my radar. Um, so, yeah, make it out. Come come say hello. Come join me and Dave and, and Tony Pike, the great Tony Pike, the legend Tony Pike, and uh, make it happen on Saturday. But uh, until then, Dave, thank you very much, sir, and it's time to bring in our main man, Justin Berg, to talk some basketball. But... Before we get to basketball in Justinburg, I want to tell you about Trace Poundtas Coffee. It's fresh roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans we ship to you has the roast date clearly printed on it. So you know your coffee is absolutely fresh. It's fresh roasted coffee. That's what tastes the best. There's a huge difference between drinking coffee that's been freshly roasted versus even just a few weeks old. All the coffee you find in your grocery and even gourmet food stores has been sitting there for weeks. Trace Pountas offers a unique opportunity to drink coffee immediately after it has been roasted and shipped directly to your home. You can find out about Trace Pountas coffee in two ways. I suggest this way. Go to their website, www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. That's T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags in both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon. But if you go to the website, uh, you can enter Bearcats at checkout. And when you do that, you will get 20% off every bag in your subscription. The subscriptions, you can sign up to get your coffee sent to you every week, two weeks, or four weeks. That's your choice. When you sign up, you save 20% by putting in Bearcats at checkout. I will tell you, Berg, my wife uh, generally, the only time she ever drank coffee is is when she was working at the office. Uh, Normally, she works from home. She would get some Starbucks on the way to the office. She never made coffee at home. Now that we've got Trace Pountas coming to the house regularly, about four days a week now, she's drinking coffee at home. That tells you how good it is. It's, it's 
excellent, fantastic quality. My stepmom is hitting me up to see if I can get her coffee. Um, <laughs> so if you're a BCJ listener, www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. Enter Bearcats at checkout. Get your 20% off. And the return. It is now the return of the man, the myth, the legend, the new dad, Justin Berg. Justin, welcome back, buddy. It's been a long time. Yeah, I was out. I, I did think that I was done. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll say it. It, it was uh, the timing of everything. There, there, I think it was three things, Chad. Well, obviously, everyone knows what number one was because everybody went through it. Uh, Nashville, the uh, the uh, unspeakable, the Music City end to Massacre. Last season. Yeah, the uh, or the I don't know if massacre is the right word. Is uh, but either way, it was um, that was number one, and so I tried to have a good, positive attitude after that. But after about a week, everything started to pour in, and then my daughter was born about three weeks after that. So leading up to my daughter being born, I was just concerned with how am I going to, what am I going to do as a dad? I got to think about, you know, what finances, who knows, just uh, all the, all the things that go through your head when you're going to end up being a father, you don't know what to really expect. So I thought, well, okay, that's, that's number two. And then number three was just, I'm kind of spiritual. I'm like a Zen master usually. And, um, I thought it was just a sign that like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't, be involved with sports if that could happen so (laughs) so (laughs) so those all that all that stuff happened and really so from probably mid-april um until i would say yesterday (laughs) no (laughs) maybe more like august or or yeah probably august or september uh what had happened was two things number one a few people in my life, my dad, of course, being the lead voice in it, but but some other folks uh, were telling me, "Come on, you you can't you can't give up on it. You got to stay with it." And then I was um, killing time one day, and I put on the Logan Johnson mixtape from his senior year of high school, and it got me all excited again. And I started thinking about it, and I decided that, you know. You got to let it go. Also, I think the other thing was I saw a quote from Mick somewhere that said, I'll never get over it, but you have to move on. And so that's I I said, he's right. I mean, and and that was it. So I decided, well, let's just let's just stay with it and uh, and, you know, just just enjoy it. And and I think what I what I've really the bottom line is this, as you've listeners will know and, you know, I've lived and died with every play of every game for 30 plus years. And I think that that's probably going to, uh, there's going to be an end to that. (laughs) I don't need to do that. I'm a father now. Things are different. So I, of course I want them to win every single game, but I, I just don't think I'm going to get as, um, worried about every little thing as, uh, as in the past. So it's going to be a new Berg, but, um, it's, uh, that's what happens when you uh, enter fatherhood. So you're not going to have to listen to reggae at the crosstown shootout this year. Well, I don't, I, I don't think I'll be at the Crosstown shootout. <laughs> I think I'm just going to write, I'm just going to schedule a vacation day for, uh, for, for December, the, whatever it is, ninth. I'll have to check, I'll have to check with management. That might be denied. <laughs> I might deny that vacation day. <laughs> yeah. I think after last year, I think is, you know, maybe I just not go to that, that one. 
I mean, you had fun at the last one at Fifth Third Arena. Yeah, I, I guess so. Maybe after about an hour of not fun, but. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's get into it. The, uh, the 2018-19 season is upon us. We are 18 days from the secret scrimmage against Notre Dame. What, 22 days from the reopening of Fifth Third Arena with the first exhibition game. And then seven days after that, 29 days from now, Berg, Ohio State comes to town. Mm-hmm. That's something. And Mick said the other day that it might even overshadow the opening of the reopening because of they're, they're playing Ohio State, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I, don't I mean, think I, I don't yeah. think so either. It's people, people have been wanting this arena to be redone for a long time. This is a long time coming, but I guess so is playing Ohio State in the regular season when both teams are, you know, fairly even and not we have the number one team with Greg Oden and all those guys and you guys have nothing. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. But let's uh, we'll we'll have plenty of time to podcast about that in the upcoming weeks as we uh, we we continue to work through our undefeated football season and the start of the basketball season. And um, this team, Berg, a lot of unknowns. The really the only known is that Jaron Cumberland is kind of the alpha dog. Uh, you wrote about him on Tuesday, a very excellent story, by the way. Great work. Thank you, sir. Uh, I think people were very happy to, to, to see you back in that capacity. Um, when it comes down to it, they're going to have to hop on his back quite a bit, at least early, I think. Um, I think his roles get defined. I don't think, uh, and this isn't to say that I think that anybody will overtake him as the best player on the team because I don't think that'll be the case. I just think as roles get defined, guys will be able to step up a little bit more uh, as time goes by. But as it stands, um, especially that stretch early, you know, you get Ohio State, you get Xavier, you get UCLA, you get at Mississippi State, at UNLV. uh, The tournament, if Destin still exists after – tonight and tomorrow uh the tournament down in florida uh where you get a a a team an a10 team that looks to be ready for a a quality season and then you know a a high major opponent after that uh either way it goes they're gonna need jaron cumberland early in this season to be the big dog yeah and in my story there was only one little quote from jaron i think as we know, he's still feeling his way through the media. But but what he did say was, if everybody knows their roles will be good, well, it's hard for guys, a lot of guys with inexperience to know their, they're not going to know their roles on opening night. It's just, there's just no way. So what you'd have to hope for on, on opening night against Ohio State would be that obviously Jaron has, you know, a Jaron type of game and the defense can you know, hold Ohio State in check. And then, you know, some guys that, that maybe you don't expect can can bang a few in and, and you can, you know, get out of there with a, with a victory. But it, but it, it's just going to be hard to know who's going to give you what. And Mick was saying, I mean, it could take – who knows how long it'll take before he knows what the what the right lineup is to to win the game, you know, when you're, when you're in the last five, ten minutes and it's close. So, 
you, like you said, Jaron is a known. I mean, and he and the reason that that story came up, I got to give that sh- a shout out to the guy on our message board, Clinton County Bearcat, because he really was the impetus for that story. But you know, his coach said that he he likes when it, he kind of thrives when he's the guy. Uh, but he's also he's also unselfish. So I think he understands that he's not going to be able to do it alone and he'll try to help the guys along like a Keith Williams or, um, or even a Trey Scott who's filling, you know, whose shoes. And um, I think he understands that he's not going to do it. He'd be able to do it alone. So he's going to have to get some guys involved, but you know, I look at the schedule and obviously the first game, you know, is, is it's losable. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, you look at the non-conference, there's probably anywhere from six to eight, you know, losable games. Let's just be honest about it. But in the first month after Ohio State, they got a few tune-ups. Then, you know, George Mason will give them a run, I'm sure. But if they can get past that, then they have – you know, so they'll have some tune-up type of games before they get to um, their first road game, UNLV and Mississippi State, and then obviously Xavier and UCLA. So at least the first month they'll have some tune-ups. But, um, yeah, like you said, just it's hard to know what – this season's going to be, and maybe that's okay. Maybe like for once, like just go into it being like, all right, whatever it is, it is. Let's just enjoy it. I mean, I think the last time we were at this point was after the graduation of three guys that were the clear three best players on the team. When Sean Kilpatrick, Justin Jackson, and Titus Rubles moved along. Um, what we didn't know that we had, you know, an idea. What we didn't know at that point was that Gary Clark was going to be a legend. No, and, and we that, didn't know that. And that Troy Copain was going to advance over his final three years the way that he did. Um, and, you know, when you look back to that team, and, and this is why I don't really, other than just saying this is a situation that's similar because both of those teams lost, you know, their, their three core guys, the three main guys, um, that team brought in, you know, what, three, four JUCO guys, three JUCO guys. Uh, and Gary, so they kind of accelerated the the learning curve um, at that point. This team's going to be relying on Kane Broom and Keith Williams and Trevor Moore and Trayvon Scott and Nizier Brooks and Eliel Sasemi. I mean, they're they're going to be relying on guys that have been in the program waiting their turn to make their turn count. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, thinking back to that team, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday because when people are, are just wondering whether or not, I think the, the big question, of course, is will, will UC get back to the NCAA tournament for a ninth straight season? And I, I would I would think you'd be a fool to bet against that. I mean, barring injury, of course, because if you look at that year, look at some of the stuff that Mick got. I mean, you know, Octavius Ellis comes back over and he turns him into like a, just a monster rim protector, offense rebounder. Like, like they don't get to the tournament without what Octavius Ellis did. And who saw that coming? I mean, when he was, when he was at UC as a freshman, he was like kind of almost like a wing. Like we didn't know what he was. And so I would say that you put the trust in that, you know, it'll be some bumpy, uh, stretches, I'm sure, but they'll figure out who's going to give them what, and then and then work with that. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know Trayvon Scott, he he's going to need to find his personality in terms of scoring the basketball. 
True. He's going to have to learn to be a little bit more aggressive. He's going to have to learn where his spots are because he just wasn't asked to score. And I, and you know, that's something that they've, they've, they've talked to him a lot about. And I've seen as the weeks have gone by, especially since, you know, now that official practice has been underway for about two weeks, you're starting to see more and more with each passing practice that he's understanding that he's understanding that, you know, no longer do you need him to pass up that 15 foot jumper from the elbow to get the ball to Kyle when he's in the game. Now turn and face and knock that thing down with some confidence. And that's starting to grow with him. Nizier Brooks. I mean, we've seen it in practice a lot that, that he's got the touch around the rim to be a guy that can get you some baskets on the offensive end. Now, you're not throwing it into him, you know, five out of every eight trips looking for him to get you a bucket. But when he's got position and you throw him the ball, you need him to put it in. Exactly. Um, and LEL, offensively, I think right now, what anything we get is a bonus because of what he's going to give you in terms of effort, in terms of defense, in terms of rebounding and blocking shots. Well, I think all three of those guys will give you those things. And so, and, and really, if you look at college basketball, big, you know, front court scoring is kind of, it's almost like dinosauric. It's like, it's just, it's, it's not as, as prevalent as that used to be. Like, you don't have to have that guy that can get positioned down low and get your bucket. Now, if you have a guy who can do that, it would be nice if he does that two, three, four times in a game because that's that's considered an easy basket. That's a whatever it is, four or five footer, maybe even a, a two or three footer. And that's the thing where, you know, last year, the, whether the offensive numbers, whatever they said, there was still a lot of options and a lot of different ways that – multiple guys could score whereas this year we're not really sure but you know something that the Bearcats generally don't get a lot of is easy baskets especially in the half court so what we're what we're going to need is a guy like Nasir to be able to do that and then we're and then we're going to need some pace um, and being able to get out and beat like Mick said beating the defense before it's set and then you know last year we saw uh, Cincinnati in the top 100 in free throw rate, which was a nice change because that's as you, I mean, as everybody knows, you know, I call for that left and right. Um, and I'm interested to see if they can hang in that same area and maybe even increase that because if they can, if they can shoot layups and free throws. It won't matter that there there's not as many shooters, you know, with, with, um, with those three that, that departed last year. Yeah. Um, the, the backup fours, I think, <clears throat> one of the more interesting storylines going into this season is does because Rashawn Fredericks is is kind of a tweener. Um, he doesn't really have that game off the bounce that you would want from like a a, a heavy minute per game wing. Um, but he can be a mismatch if he's used at the four because he can beat a bigger guy off the dribble. He's got long arms. He gets off the floor fast. He can knock in an open shot. Um, they're going to need somebody behind Trey. Because I, I don't think, as much as I love Trey, I don't know that he's a 
35 minute a game guy, especially if you're going to want to press and be a team that's going to be, you know, trying to pressure opponents. Somebody's got to fill that role. I don't know with Mamadou that we're, we're there yet where you can put him out there for 20 minutes a night. I do think there's going to be a role for him, but I, I don't know how much of a role that's going to be with the guy you're still trying to get to fully grasp the coaching and the system and, and where he needs to be at all times and not, you know, letting his mind drift for lack, you know, like that's, that's still with him what they're continuing to work on is that focus for, you know, however long he's on the floor and not reverting back to some bad habits that he had when he got here. You don't have that with Rashawn. Um, I, I think more likely than not, you know, and, and it's going to be up to, to, to Prince and Laquille, uh, what they decide to do in terms of red shirting or not red shirting or whatever. Um, I just don't know that those two guys are ready yet to give you those heavy minutes. Um, I, I will say I've been really impressed with Laquille since practice started because I thought when he got here, he was pretty far away. And now you're starting to see that, that he's picking some things up. He He's starting to understand what's being asked of him. He's a guy that works hard. He's got a great attitude. Um, so he's coming along. And Prince, Prince will flash his offensive skill. The problem is – everybody's been here for four, five, six months longer than him. So knowing exactly, you know, where to be in a drill or where to be when they're working on specific situations, he still has a long way to go because he, he just got here at the beginning of September. So that, that stuff is going to be difficult for him. Um, so where does those backup minutes at the four come? Right now, I think it would involve going small with Rashawn Fredericks or I think you can use Jaron there. Yeah, Nick did say that Jaron's the best post defender out of any of those small guys. He understands positioning, and obviously he's a very strong individual. But yeah, I think it's either going to be that that Rashawn or or Mamadou maybe surprises you. It's I, I mean, but I think all signs would point to more than likely that we'll see the four guard lineup and uh, with a big and and just see how that can work. I mean, it can definitely pressure wise on defense. And deflection-wise, and just you know, creating creating havoc and, and disrupting, you know, you have especially if your if your five is maybe Trayvon um, or even Lel. I mean, that, that I'm just saying that I don't that, see a lot of Trey at the five. Like I, I think okay. you could, I think you got away with it. Like we we people say we saw him some there last year, but when we did see that last year, he was with Gary. Yeah, and I'm, I, I think just, Gary yeah. was more of the five than Trayvon was in those situations. Um, I just don't know if if you – I don't know that they go that way with him at the five. I, I What I would be interested to see, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but if you go small, I'd love to see Mamadou at the five. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that's what we were talking a little bit about the other day. I just think that there's there's just – there's so many unknowns, and he's just going to have to try a bunch of stuff. And you, we really have no clue. Maybe, maybe a four-guard lineup – with Trey at the five actually could be, I mean, we don't know right until we see it. So, so there's just, there's just, you know, you, you, you assume that, uh, you know, you're going to have Justin Jennifer and Kane Broom be 
you know, two guys that you should be able to rely on to, to play um, heavy minutes and, you know, create um, havoc on D and, and get some buckets and, and just, you know, be steady, not turn the ball over. I think they both have been here long enough to know that you can't do that. And then, you know, with Jaron, but then when you get past them, you know, we're not sure, you know, what, what Keith Williams or, or Trevor Moore or, or Logan Johnson will do, but we, who knows, maybe one of those guys could be a stud and, and, you know, maybe Keith is, is, is going to, is going to step up and take a leap. I mean, he was the best player in Brooklyn two years ago and there's some good players in Brooklyn. So, and, uh, and, and they all have good attitudes. They all work hard. So, you know, it'll, it'll be, I think, it, you know, this, this season is just this season. I think, let's be honest, it's setting up next season. I mean, all due respect to, to, um, you know, Broom and Jennifer, but, you know, and hopefully this season ends up being exciting and they, and they, they, they do some great things, but, you know, heading into next season, all these inexperienced guys will be experienced. And Jaron, if he's, if he's still here, he'll be a senior and, you know, but, but the point is, is that this year is kind of, you know, it's like, um, it's, I don't know if house money's the right term for it, but it's just kind of like, all right, no expectations, go out and play, do the best you can. And, and we'll see who's, who's got what. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the crazy part, man, is it, we, we just have no idea. It's kind of fun, though, if you think about it. The last two years, we were pretty sure, and they won 30 right. games, and then they beat everybody they were supposed to, and they split the games against the legit teams. And, you know, th- this season, I think the message for it is going to be hilarious because you're going to check it one week, and the sky's falling, and, and you know, what, what, we're never going to make the tournament. We're going to lose all these games, and then the next week they'll beat somebody, and you're like, well, maybe this team, I don't know, they could get in and go to the Elite Eight, you know, it's a, this stuff, it's just going to be all over the place this, this year. So, yeah, I guess my advice would be to, um, you know, just have fun with this season. Try to see how these guys develop. Realize that it's kind of a, you know, two-year process. And sometimes in sports, like the Braves this year, like in baseball, like, you know, teams kind of do things the year before they're maybe supposed to because there's not a lot of pressure on them. And this is something I've, I've been thinking about, you know, looking at the NCAA tournament and kind of similar situations two years ago. Florida State had a lottery pick. They had another first-round pick. I think Dwayne Bacon was a first-round pick. They were a three-seed. They were hot. Everyone's picking them to go to the Final Four. They get bounced in the second round. Last season, no one even knew they were in the tournament. They were a nine-seed. They're they're playing Michael Porter Jr. That's the whole storyline, Missouri. Everyone's like, oh, maybe Michael Porter Jr. can get, get by Xavier. No, Florida State, no one even knows they're there. They get to the Elite Eight. You know, who, who, who really knows? There was no expectations on them, whereas the year before, it was all on them. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't get through. And, you know, last year's team, obviously a lot of expectations. The whole season was about getting past that second-round game and getting to that next level. And then when it got to the last five, ten minutes, and it was like, oh, no, what's going on? Maybe the, the gravity of the situation could have been too heavy for some of those guys, and they weren't able to, you know, make it happen. So... This season's just, who knows, man, just a, a crapshoot. And there's a lot of intriguing players, Mamadou, of course, being one. But let's talk about the guy that I was most impressed with at practice. I, I watched about 15 minutes of practice the other day, and that is Logan Johnson. Um, you know, he, just from watching him from for real quick and some drills, like, the dude's got some of the it factor as far as I could see. He's like vocal. He knows where he should be, where everybody else should be. He's like, 
just kind of has a different feel to him. Uh, what's your read on him at this point and, and, you know, as far as his his potential as a freshman? Um, I, I think, you know, and I've talked about him quite a bit. One, obviously, he was very good in Canada. Uh, so that, you know, caught some people's attention. Um, I think right now the biggest thing with him is he's got to continue to develop his jumper um, because when the scouting report gets out on him, it's going to be – give him some space because he's going to go by you. Um, I think that's the biggest deal with him. I don't know necessarily that that's going to be something that happens this year. I mean, if I'm being completely honest about it, I I think that might be a down the road thing. Now I don't have a lot of concern with him because he's a kid that's constantly in the gym and he's constantly working to, to get better. Um, They've given him some things that they want him to do to help fix that shot. And, He's gotten quite a bit better since he got here, but when he got here, it was it was broken. It had to be fixed. Um, so you're seeing him in practice more consistently. I don't even want no, you're seeing him more often knock down some shots. Where you know the, the first month and a half, if you know, if he put up something from eighteen plus feet you were pretty sure it wasn't going in now at least there's there's starting to be that concern that he can knock it down but let me let me interject real quick and then just real quick so from the interview with the coach tim kennedy from his high school remember this is an opposing coach he told me that when he they were preparing for logan i think it was either his sophomore might have been a sophomore year that one game they just laid way laid back and said just try to beat us and he, he couldn't make anything and they beat Logan's team. The next time they played them, they tried the same thing and he lit them up from deep. So let, just, just to, to your point, he but takes it personally. He works. Yeah, he works right. But he's also capable of, you know, improving. And, and I think yeah. um, he said that he thought that his jump shot um, improved a ton from his sophomore year to his senior year. So, you know, again, it's, you know, it's, it's in practice, who knows, maybe in the game it's, He's, he's not thinking as much, and he just lets it fly, and maybe he, maybe he makes them. I don't know. Who knows? But also, he'll have plenty of room to shoot, so he doesn't have – he can just take his time and line it up. You, um, that always helps the percentage. But anyway, keep going. You, Sorry. You talk about going end-to-end. <clears throat> he had a couple plays last week, brother, where he got a rebound, and he just and, – and a lot of the lineups there – they switch the teams up every day, but at times you'll see – the majority of the, the the veteran guys on one team and the younger guys on the other team, um, he was playing against the older guys, and he took the ball off the rim and just went right at it at 100 miles an hour, and there was nothing the defense could do. It, it, it looked like at one point Trey Scott was going to have maybe an angle to, to stop the ball. And he just zipped right past him, coming down the right side, and then went over to the left side of the rim for a layup uncontested. And literally everybody in the gym was just looking at each other like, did, did we all see that? <laughs> that? He just did that to everybody, like went by him like they were standing still. And then he did it again later in practice. Uh, it wasn't as spectacular as the first one, but it was very similar. And it, that type of ability to attack, that type of ability to put the defense on skates is what they've been trying to find. You exactly. know, 
they you know they wanted it with Justin, but he's just not a a super super fast end to end guy. I I think Kane has some of that, but with Kane, it's more that he's shifty. It's more moves like he's unorthodoxed in when he's coming at you. So it's you know it, it becomes difficult to defend because you're not sure wh- which way he's going next. Logan has that kind of end to end gear that can be breathtaking. Um, so I, I, I think his future is very bright. Um, I think he's definitely, I mean, Rashawn's going to play. You don't go out and get a junior college kid of that nature that you don't think is going to be able to come in and, and give you some minutes. You know what I mean? That that's right. That's what he was brought in for. Um, of the young guys of the freshmen, Logan's going to play the most. Uh, and, and he has a chance if he continues to work like he's worked and continues to, to improve and, and get better at the rate that he has, the more and more the season goes by, I think the more and more you're going you're gonna to be talking about Logan Johnson because he just has kind of that feel of what we saw when, you know, when and I don't – Gary was a different situation because they, they didn't have a four when Gary got here. So Gary had to play like 28 minutes a night from the time he stepped on campus. Um, but more like, you know, when, when Jake got here, when Troy got here, you know, some of the guys that have, that have come through in the past, their freshman year, their minutes increased throughout the season to the point where they were getting, you know, 15, 16, 20 minutes a game by the end of the year. I think he has that ability if he stays on track. Yeah. And, you know, his, his first step, I mean, it, granted, it was just a little drill they were doing, but I mean, I just to get a, a an in person look at it, and I, you know, going back to what I said, you know, what one of the reasons why I, um, you know, was was back from the dead was just watching this kid's highlights, and and uh, you know, he just has that that thing that that just you see point guards just haven't had uh, to 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 spoil my uh, my article that you may run at some point, but it's going to um, run this week. We're uh, okay. You, you've been. You've been a godsend this week, Berg, as we work through the bye week. Yeah, so just a, just like a little teaser, but just like just kind of talking about how he's you know he's not he's just different than what we've had at, at UC at that position. He just not only end to end, but his ability um, in a half court setting to beat his man. And like Mick, Mick, you know, Mick pointed out, he doesn't need a screen or a pick and roll to be able to get through there because he's ambidextrous. He hasn't. His first step is almost as explosive as my baby's diaper was yesterday. And, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, almost, almost. It, nothing's going to beat that. But, um, but you know, and, and his, he's very creative um, in the paint and, you know, he's not afraid of contact. So he should get to the foul line. He should, but also his, his, you know, his vision and his, his feel and passing abilities there. Now that said, um, and I know you've seen this, and, and some of the other people I talked to um, at practice the other day were saying this. He kind of sees things that aren't there, kind of thinks well, he's still in high school at, at it, times. But He sees things that used to be there. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, it's not high school because in high school there weren't, like, you know, Trey Scott and, and you know, all these, like, Ellie Elsa Semis like, right. all over the place with long arms and Keith Williams getting ready to just knock a pass away and go to a windmill. Um, but – that's just going to come with time. And, and obviously, you know, the way that, that, that Cronin is with his point guards and he kind of, you know, joked about it the other day that you never allowed to t- turn the ball over, but 
But I think he it, it's it's it couldn't be better at least for Logan that he's going to have two seniors that have been through it to mentor him along. He's obviously he's willing to work as many hours as it takes, and really he kind of has to play. I mean, you kind of have to play him. I mean, it's just it's just there's. You know, there's not as like the point guard position, you know, is not really defined as far as like one guy has it. You've got Jennifer, the steady, not going to turn the ball over. I think he'll score a little more this year, but, you know, he's not going to give you a ton of production. Uh, Broom is more of an off guard. The biggest thing you need with Justin is you need him to knock down some threes. Right. Yeah. But also it'd be nice if, you know, if he if he can get into the paint a little bit more. And uh, maybe even get to the foul line a, a time or two because he knocks his free throws in. And, and, you know, he's strong. He should be in there drawing contact. Um, you know, Kane, like we've talked about, he's probably better off the ball. I mean, he'll, I'm sure he'll run some point. But, you know, that so he's not really like the main guy. And then Jaron, you know, Jaron's going to be in that LeBron role, you know, the last five minutes of the game and probably other times where he's just it's, he's dictating. He's just like, I know where the help's coming from and if. I can't get mine, and I know who's open, and you know, just get the highest quality shot they can get. But you know, I think that you know, there's it's 40 minutes in the game. Like you're going to need another guy to handle the ball that can do things. And you know, I didn't see anything from Canada, but the reports were that that Logan looked like he belonged, and he you know, he was stepped right in, and you know, was taking charge. Well, the thing with Logan is he ain't scared. Like nah, that that's. For a lot of freshmen, that's the biggest thing is they're timid because they're the new guy. You know, they're they're the new kid on the block dealing with a lot of veterans that have been around for a while. He's not scared. You know, he he's got a brother in the NBA. He's got a, he's gotten his butt kicked most of his life. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's what happens when you that got an older brother. Yeah, yeah, that toughens you up. I so, didn't have that. That's why I was so soft. <laughs> I it's uh. I'm excited for his career. I'm excited for his future. I, I I do think the kid has a good head on his shoulders. I do think that he's got the right mindset to be one of those guys that that evolves into, you know, a guy that we're talking about for, you know, in five years. We're having a podcast talking about what are they going to do now that Logan Johnson's not around. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, I think he has that kind of ability, like that that kind of – he can make that kind of impact. Yeah. And, um, and, and real quick, just, I mean, this, you know, this probably goes without saying, but if you look back at some of the, the Cincinnati teams that have, you know, faltered in the NCAA tournament, it, a, a lot of times, um, and this goes back to the Huggins years, the, the, the point guard position was, was an issue. And mostly it was, uh, there's nobody here to create something when we need something to be created and he can create for himself, for his teammates, he can get to the foul line. And that's like desperately needed. Yeah. So he's here, but he's only a freshman. So it's, it could be one game, man, this kid, why doesn't he play more? And then two games later, you're like, Oh, I see why. Right. So it's just, he's going to have to learn and he, he will. And you know, that's why I'm saying, because you, you, if you, if they can get through the end of the season and more than likely, you know, it, let's be honest. I mean, if, if you get to the last 10, 12 games in conference play, there's a pretty good chance they're going to have to still prove something to get into the field and you know by then he has had enough experience against legit competition especially with this non-conference schedule that you know maybe he's a piece that's like reliable and 
you know, can be a difference maker. And all of a sudden they get to the postseason and it's like, Ooh, you got this guy, this type of guy. Hmm. Haven't had this. Right. And then who knows? Um, you put your, uh, your seven things article up today. Anything from that you want to get to before we get out of here? Because if I don't cut a short soon, we'll end up going two hours. I know it's fun. Um, I think we, I mean, I think we pretty much touched on most of it. I don't know. I mean, the schedule is as tough as it's ever been. Um, I, I think the American conference is going to be plenty tough. I don't care who graduated or whatever the deal is. There's going to be plenty of games. that's going to be hard to win. I'll say this. And I, I agree with you. That stretch from January 19th to senior day against Houston. There's not a night no. off in that. that no group. nights off. Now no. I think it's interesting because the league kind of did them a favor early in giving them some of the, those those games that you should win in order to maybe help build some momentum going into the back end of the conference slate. But I think the biggest thing with this league this season is that it's very even, I think, one through probably eight. I don't think there's much separation. I think, you know, the last two years – there's been the top two or three teams in the league and then a huge gap between that middle yeah. pack. I think that middle pack is a lot closer to that top pack this year. Yep, I agree with that. And everyone, the kind of the sexy pick is is uh, Central Florida Knights. And rightfully so. When you got the defense like that and a seven-foot-six dude standing there and, and a legit ball or point guard, and, and I'm interested to see you know Dawkins' kid. Aubrey Dawkins, I think he's about six seven. He's a he's a wing. He's a really explosive wing, and uh, you know, just he he was out all of last year with it with a separated shoulder. They just had the injury bug. I mean, you figure like you know, law of averages would say they'd be healthy this year. And I mean, if you look, I mean, they got a top five, top ten defense in the country. They were like three hundredth in offense last year. I mean, it was yeah. way down there. So if they can if they can crack the top one hundred, is probably all they need to do. And I'm sure they'll be able to do that with. You know, with all those guys healthy. So that's probably, you know, and then there's a lot of question marks with like SMU, but they still have Jure. You've got, um, you know, Houston will still be tough, but who knows how tough without, you know, their two top dogs from last year. Although I guess against us, it was probably Corey Davis Jr. And he's still there. If I, if I was picking a favorite, it would be Houston. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, they've got, they've got dogs and they've got uh, the the coaching pedigree, of course, and they got a new arena. So it's going to be really hard not that it was ever easy to win down there. Um, and then, you know, Wichita lost virtually everybody, but I don't know. I mean, you know, they got a good fan base. They got, it's like, they're kind of like the St. Louis Cardinals. Like they, I mean, they, they just, they always have something. They, they have their systems and they got a great coach and they'll be tough. And my sleeper is the Temple Owls. And my reasoning is that Obi and Etiodia is not on their team now. <laughs> I feel like, that there was a lot of games where UC probably should have lost to them, but they had Obi Etchinonia. Sorry, Obi, if you're listening to this, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's, not a winning sure player is what in. you're saying. I'm just saying, yeah, like, you know those players. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that he's kind of a chucker, you know, just like, why are you taking all these shots? And, you know, use your size. You're not using your size like those type of guys. Use your They've three got, really good guards. Yeah, they have – they have – we know about Shiz Alston, we know about Quentin Rose, but the three freshmen from last year I thought were all very impressive at different stretches. They have some other pieces in there too. They got that the guy we hate facing, a flak P, 
UC has to play them in Philly, which we know it's like pulling teeth to get to 50 points in that building for Cincinnati and probably will be again this year. But I just think that like their, their, their defense, um, as far as like all their switching and stuff, they're going to be able to do. And then I feel like they have, they just have a lot, a lot of weapons on offense that people aren't talking about. So I think they're my dark horse to be like up in that, you know, top two, three, four, um, and be, and be knocking on the door for the NCAA tournament. Cause I think they always play a tough schedule in the non-conference and they always seem to beat somebody to put themselves in contention. So you heard it here. Temple owls are my, are the, the sleeper pick from Berg. Uh, if I'm taking a sleeper pick on being near the top of the league, like I, I think Houston's the favorite personally. Yeah. You know, I got to go with my guy and I hate to do it, but I think UConn's going to be good. Oh yeah. They've yeah, got some I was pieces, man. They've got some talent and now they've got a coach. We'll see. I mean, the biggest thing for them is how long does it take to come together? How long does it take to adjust from a guy that was that kind of let the inmates run the asylum to Danny Hurley, who can be a bit of a maniac? Like, how long does that transition take for them? Because I, I think if it happens pretty fast, they're going to make some noise by – mid-January well they're going to play a tough not I mean they always play a tough non-conference and Jalen Adams is a, I mean he, he's legit man he's a senior I believe the 14th, a 14th year senior yeah he's he's been there for a long time but but he's a guy that that I mean you see it's hard for them to stop him and but yeah it's hard for everybody to stop him but if they just you know I mean they they just need a couple more um, weapons to go with him and Altery Kilpert, I guess, should probably be healthy after like twelve different surgeries in the past two years. Um, they, they I, I guess my question with them would be St. John's. They got a rim protector now. Yeah, my question would be like, um, how long until, how long will the Kevin Ollie um, pot shots uh, keep going for you? Like, I mean, maybe still like three or four years down the road, he's probably he's probably still get one in there. I, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll find a way. Like I said, it it, it makes it a little bit tougher that that a friend is coaching is the head coach now. Um, so I might not be as uh, as relentless as I have been in the past. <laughs> I, yeah. I I texted I texted Danny when he got the job, and I I said, you know, I used to root for you every game, and I used to root for UConn in no games. None. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Everybody's like, it's good for the conference, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I that's my least favorite thing ever. I, I don't like that. It's good for the conference. Yeah, I, I yeah, with them. I don't I, care. But now, I mean, I, I love the guy. It, like it, it's one of the, the the guys I love hanging out and talking with when I'm on the road. Helps time go by in a gym. Yes, he badgers me with. Asking about the third string Bengals punter. Um, <laughs> d- have you heard the Dan Horde story? No, but I but you did tell me that he every time he saw you a few years ago, he kept saying AJ McCarron, get AJ McCarron. Yeah. Here. Well, so I guess it was last year at the Final Four. Um, Dan Horde was was walking to go do an interview, and Danny's like, "Oh my God, it's Dan Horde! Oh my God!" and like. Complete fanboy. <laughs> Complete fanboy. Like, freaked out that he had bet Dan Horde. And, like, stopped him and was, like, at, like, 
Dan was literally at, at the end was literally like, I I have to go do this interview like 15 minutes ago. Like I'd love to stand <laughs> here and keep talking to you, Coach, but but I got to go. <laughs> so that's going to happen when they. Oh, I, I I would guess if you like if you get to Fifth Third Arena like an hour and a half before tip off. Yeah, they'll Danny talk, they'll Hurley will have Dan Horde trapped. <laughs> that's that's great. I, oh, it's, I, it's one of the strangest things ever that he's that big of a Bengals fan. Yeah, that is that is very weird, and uh, also ties to um, to Savino, right? Because they played they together. Play for, no, they played yeah, together. They played together. Yeah, they were. They were both on the same team. That those are when you get Savino, Danny, and Bobby Hurley, and Fred Hill. Um, who coached with? Who was the head coach at Rutgers when when Darren was there? If you get those guys together at an AAU event, I I promise I don't think I've watched a minute of any of the games that have been going on when I've sat with those guys together. <laughs> and I I literally like your side and your face hurt from laughter. And they all got that Jersey accent. Oh my god! Yeah. Like it, it is the funniest thing I've ever experienced is sitting with those guys because it. I mean, it, you know, it's that New Jersey, New York, bust your balls, you know, and they're getting after each other and, and they're telling stories from, you know, the old St. Anthony days and, and and Darren being a Guido. Like like the, the running joke was always like before there was Jersey Shore, there was Darren Savino. <laughs> um, just uh, those stories, man, and, and sitting with those guys and talking is, is just the, the the utmost comedy. Just so so yeah. So when you see plays UConn this year, it's gonna be a little different feel for for you. Yeah, for, for Darren. Mick, for Darren. I mean, I, Mick is yeah. really good friends with them. I, I, they they said it going into that Rhode Island game two years ago. Like this is hard because we're all really good friends. And yeah, now you're gonna get Rhode that Island. three times a year. Yeah, and but hey, look, obviously, you know. If you want to, if you go want to go with the old good for the league argument, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it probably is. It UConn is. Needs, UConn needs to be good. I mean, because people will take this conference you know, nationally; they'll take it much more seriously. If UConn's good, Memphis if is Memphis good. is good, if your buddy can actually pull some of these what guys happened, that he's. What happened to to Justin Timberlake and Drake? Yeah, I mean, was that all that was supposed to be there? I mean, I thought like they didn't yeah. show up. Yeah, I know they didn't show up, Berg. No, it was a it was a complete hoax. Yeah, somebody somebody came out of nowhere with it, probably just to build some hype. Yeah, all sizzle, no steak, my friend. Yeah, we need, he needs some steak down there. All sizzle, That's no sure. steak at this point. Yeah, he hasn't landed a recruit rated higher than Logan Johnson since he got the job. That's a lot of hype. That's yeah, a lot of hype. But it's it's fun. That's another fun thing yeah. about this season. So you know, I mean, let's just. I think that the theme of this season, let's just try to have some fun because of, you know, the, the way last season ended was the exact opposite of that. And I think we just need some fun in our lives with Cincinnati basketball. We got the new arena. Can't wait to get down there and see what that's like. I mean, I'm sure all you two listening, I mean, this is long, long, long time coming, um, suffering through these last few years in that, in that building. But, uh, you know, like Mick said, it's a, it's a happening now and you got You got to have a social event and, People want to bring their girlfriend, their wife, uh, you know, whoever else. We're so all, we're, we're, we we also might have some big news coming for for Bearcat Journalberg. Oh, really? I'm getting I'm inching closer to Bearcat Journal gear. Ooh. A line of BCJ gear. Uh oh. 
that you can buy. Or win in some potential raffles. You never know. Potential. Or some contests. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would not be against having uh, yeah. some some free gear for, for purchase or for, uh, for, for contests and things like that. Yeah. But we're, we're inching closer. Hopefully here in the next couple podcasts, next podcast or two, I will, uh, I'll have more details on that. But uh, I, I know, and you won't, you won't get this one, but uh, I, I, I'm running some Red Helms designs through my brain. For those that, that actually, I'll explain that because we've been talking about it on social media um, many, many, many years ago. One of the longest running inside jokes at Bearcat Journal. Uh, they were going to wear red helmets for a football game. And one of the members came onto the board and started a thread to ask about it. But when he started the thread, he started it. Red Helms was the title. So people thought it was like a recruit or like <laughs> they didn't know what it was. Like, who the hell is Red Helms? And it sounds like he could be dope player. Though. I know. I'd like if there was a kid named Red Helms, I'd recruit the crap yeah. out of him. I know. But it became like an ongoing joke throughout the years. Uh, you know, like football recruiting season or whatever. Like, are they finally going to land Red Helms or? So I got gotcha. you. That will be. I can assure you, that will be the uh, the first the first the first item in the Bearcat Journal uh, clothing line will be a, a Red Helms uh, item. Which, uh, if you're if you're a designer, hit me up on Twitter with your Red Helms design. Because uh, that's not a strength of mine. That's not something I've done much of in the past is design clothes. Yeah. But um, you got anything else, brother? We got yeah, go. yeah. One one last thing. Okay. Why 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 was today like one of the happiest days ever? Now I mean, hopefully it's not a whole big jinx and everything. But at about nine thirty, I was uh, just you know as I do from time to time, a lot of the time thinking about Gary Clark. <laughs> And um, and I, I sent a message to my guy Gar- Chris Gardner down in Houston. He covers the uh, Houston Cougars. You know, you've done some interviews with him and covers the Rockets and all the teams down there. And I just I was like, yeah, let me just ask him. You know, I just said I just said any chance that Gary Clark sneaks onto the active roster when the season starts. And I'm talking less than a minute after I sent that. Notice I didn't use the word literally there because I can't stand that. <laughs> Um, he, he got back to me and he said, it's a lock. And he said, he said, I would be shocked if he wasn't on the roster. And I was not expecting that. Well, I was and then, not expecting that. I don't... And then, and then two hours later or whatever it was, Dan Tony like gives them, he's like, this dude's awesome. Why yeah. did no one draft him? I can't, I'm, st- I, I can't believe he used the word stunned. Yeah. That, that is, you know, it, you couldn't get any higher praise than the head coach being like, dude, we got this guy like that. So it was just a fun kind of I, – because I, he, he actually t- sent me a message when he was at that press conference saying, you're not going to believe this quote from Dan Tony. And I was, like, checking my phone every two seconds until it finally <laughs> came on there. Although somehow you beat me to the to – the re- do you have, like a, like, a thing on your phone that just automatically retweets this stuff? No, <laughs> today was just, like, one of those days. It's kind of an off day for me. Yeah. Um, the wife had some things that she had to do. And I was just kind of hanging out, waiting for the kid to get home from school. So I was on social media a lot today. Okay, okay. I hit that. But yeah. One. There was also an interview with Gary. I don't know if you saw that as yeah, well. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw um, the same guy. Because actually, Gardner said that he. I mean, he he might have blown it, but like he told the other media members that there could be. There's a lot of fans in Cincinnati that want to know about Clark, and he's like, 
they're all, all their eyes got wide. So he kind of, I, I wanted to tell him like, man, you should have just kept it kind of, you know, you, you, you make it be your thing, but um, he's a real nice fellow. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's well, been so fun to watch him like just pop threes and, what do we and know? block shots. And, you know, once you get Gary Clark in your locker room, yeah, you fall in love like yeah. that. And especially for a team. And this is why Houston was the perfect spot for him for a team that is just completely structured around analytics. Gary Clark is the epitome of analytics. He was the most efficient player in the country, basically. He's, right. You know, top five offense, top five defense, win shares, all of that. Like, Gary Clark was right there at the top of the, the nation in all of those categories. And so, Houston lost their two best, like, 6 eightish defenders. Yeah. Like, Bob Mute Mute and, and Ariza were like, everyone's like, oh, they're not going to be good as – wouldn't that be crazy? If, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith and all these guys are like, Houston's not going to be as good because they lost these defensive guys. And what if it's Gary Clark. Clark is, like, guarding Durant and stuff? Like, it'd be unbelievable. I can't even believe it. So, yeah, it's been fun. Well, you know, whether he makes the active roster or not, I know he's 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 there and they'll, they'll use him. Uh, but it's well, just been so fun to, to see him, like, look like he should be there. And, yeah. like, the coach being like, why was this guy not drafted? How did we end up with this guy in camp as an undrafted free agent? How the hell did that happen? Yeah, that's a pretty pretty ringing endorsement from the old head coach, the old head ball coach. We agree, coach. We (laughs) agree. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, that's the first of many. Yeah, go do your football for a while. Well, we already we recorded that this afternoon. I'm saying for the next few weeks, you won't have me on the podcast. I know everyone's going to be well, you know. Heard about that, but we'll we'll get you know we got we got a couple weeks to get ready, and then probably after the you know first exit you know right before the Ohio State game, we'll come on and we'll have you know. we'll do a season preview for sure. Yeah, um, you can you can count on that. And and I the thing the what I'm thinking is we'll do it after the exhibition. Right, we got to um, see them. So one, we can see them. Two, so we can everybody can see the arena. I think right. that's going to be a huge talking point of you know. Once we get in there and get a chance to look around and really get a feel for for the renovation and, and what it means to the program, I think that's going to be big. Um, I, the, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think there's going to be a, close to a full house at that exhibition, but there might be a lot of empty seats from people just roaming the concourses and just getting a feel for what, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. All the new dining, all the new bars, the new beer, all the things that, you know, that make it worth getting off your couch and going to the game. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that. So it, it I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to get back in, uh, get back in our house. Maybe yep. there'll be a, maybe there'll be a real like media room, dining room area instead of like a garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, is this the big time? I thought I made the big time when I got that media pass. I was like, what is this? No, no, not really. Maybe now. <laughs> Maybe now. Um, but no, nah, man, it's it's going to be great. I'm excited. I well, We might have you on uh, here and there just to, to get some thoughts uh, after we get done with, you know, football talk on a couple different shows. But I would definitely look forward to a uh, – to a basketball podcast right after that first exhibition game as we get ready for the uh, the seventh 
of November and Ohio State. Once again, remember, uh, come on down to Taft's Brewporium and catch us with Tony Pike, me, Dave Simone, Tony Pike, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, we'll do the podcast for eh, probably 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, Tony will do some Q&A after that. And then we'll hang out and have some pizza and have some beers. You going to join us? I'm going to try to, yeah. All right. With with the with the uh, the old baby and should be good though. Should be able to pop by there for a little and see how it goes. All right. Well. And hey, how about this? The you know, just got through this whole podcast. Did not hear the baby cry at all. So that's a good kid. Good that's start a, for that's her. That's a good kid. Give her <laughs> give her a pat on the head. Tell her I said it's not it, at a yeah, girl. It'll, yeah, it's going to happen though this year. There's of no course. doubt. Yeah. That's all right. No, we've gone way long. So we're going to get out of here, but thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. Good to have you back. It's good to see your smiling face uh, back around things, and uh, it was good to see you at Media Day. Yeah, it, it is. It's good to be back. It, it really was. That that Media Day was was. Uh, I, I was very happy that day after I left the arena right. or the uh, the practice facility. Good to hear, brother. Good to hear. That's it for this time. Thanks to Dave Simone talking some football. Thanks to Justin Berg coming in and uh, giving his thoughts on the basketball program as we are uh, a little less than 30 days away from the start of the season. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.